Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. This is also the only place that's called the Sea of Tiberias, so I don't know what that means. That's <laughs> Except new. that, uh, uh, maybe that's well, how it's known. Well, Tiberias amongst. is on the western shore, and the most there's an ex- prominent exceptional city. Chinese yeah. restaurant there, um, so that's probably yeah. where they were headed. Something um, to do with the feeding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And and maybe they had eaten there, and now they're and hungry. And now they're again. hungry again because they were on the yeah. other side by this yeah. time. Well, yeah. And, Actually, you know, that Chinese was one food. of our favorite uh, traditions in is whenever we would go to Israel is that we would try and time Sabbath to be in Tiberias because on Sabbath they move the restaurant across the street to the non-kosher version, and you can get uh, really good Chinese food over there, and you don't have to worry about it being ah, kosher. Whereas ah. if any all the rest of the week it's across the street and it's all kosher, so. They actually have two buildings, a, a building for okay. the non-kosher and a building for the kosher uh, restaurant there in Tiberias. So. And that's why the Jews eat Chinese on Christmas. <laughs> I don't think that follows, but okay. <laughs> Connect the dots. Come on. Okay. Just spell it out for you. Obviously. But with regard to the text. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Well, welcome back to the podcast. I am Robert Wallace. Which is why I am Michael McKeever. That's how that works. Uh, These are the readings for August 5th, 2018, which is the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. So ordinary time, as uh, they like to call it in the liturgy world, Mm -hmm. I guess, (laughs) Um, (laughs) if there is such a place. (laughs) Um, Got four readings today, 2 Samuel eleven twenty six through 12, 13. Worst theme park ever, Liturgy yeah. World. <laughs> Liturgy World. That's not a great, it's not a great theme park. Um, but boy, are they, boy, are they structured about the rides, man. Yeah. They, yeah. they have Get in so line. many, Get so in many line. rules. <laughs> Psalm 51, 1 to 12. So we, this is one week when certainly the Psalm reading connects to yeah. the, mm-hmm. uh, to the other. Old Testament reading. And they connect it for you. Rather directly. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. Yeah. And our second week of 27 in John chapter 6. Um, Yeah, we're spending a long time in John 6, aren't we? Second week of 27? Yeah, I just made that up. It's a lot lot of weeks we're in John 6. (laughs) I I didn't look at how many more. How many more are there? At least four or five. Let me see. Really? Yeah. So it's like like one, two, three, four. One more week. There's five total weeks in John oh, 6. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah. I, always, I, I was thinking it was three. Okay. <laughs> so don't don't empty the clip today. <laughs> Keep some bullets right. for the next couple of weeks. So, so hope that you will uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Um, send us an email at readinginchurch at gmail.com. Have you checked the mailbag uh, recently? Is there anything in the I, mailbag? I haven't. Uh, it's automatically forwarded. Oh, okay. uh, and every time I do it manually, it's like, nope, there's nothing there. <laughs> I just, just wanted to confirm I was terribly unpopular. Yeah. Yep, that's yeah. that's true. But if you did so, send us an email and we haven't answered it, send us another email. There's a good chance that we don't have it. So, <laughs> well, great. So um, I'm in the midst of of moving preparations. Um, yeah. I have... Moving to D.C. Staging area in the other room of all of the things that need to go now versus all of the things that need to go when the rest of my family can come. So Mm -hmm. yeah, trying to just what kitchen things do I need to take? Just what books do I need? So 
So I'm taking all my commentaries and leaving a lot of my theology books. Um, my six volume Moltmann can stay in boxes until okay. next year. But uh, are you taking <laughs> your your uh, large KitchenAid mixer with flames on it? Uh, I am praying about that. I don't know. <laughs> I, that figured, one is... <laughs> I figured it's large and bulky. You'd be tempted to bring it, however. I would, but because yeah. I do a lot of cooking. Is it a and... first wave item, though? Yeah, that's the question. So <laughs> we'll pray. I'm praying, waiting to see how the Spirit leads yeah. on that particular issue. So, Well, what about transportation when you get the DC? Are you going to like have one of those swamp boats with the big fan <laughs> on the back? Is that Because that would be um, so cool. Those are more popular in Louisiana or okay. Florida, I believe, right. than they are in the District of okay. Columbia. Oh, well, but... the swamp. I, I've, <laughs> I've heard it described as a swamp. Well, as I understand it, the original August recess uh, started because people just did not want to live in D.C. Mm -hmm. in August because of the swamp. Yeah. And, uh, Swampiness. Which raises a biblical question. Oh? Uh, swamp jackals. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Do they? Is that a problem? Mm. Swamp jackals? You know, I haven't heard that from the the church, but uh, we'll have to see. Everything circles back eventually. Oh. So, so yeah, we're all in the. If midst you don't know what we're talking about, stress. listen to all of our previous podcasts. <laughs> well, someone is. I noticed this week we someone went back and downloaded the whole catalog. So yeah. okay, the whole Catch time life series. Huh? That's right. So, yeah, I'm a little, I, I'm less stressed than I thought it would be at this point. That's probably just because everything seems to be falling into place, but uh, uh, there's still some latent stress, I think. Uh, and when are you actually moving? Uh, Tuesday, Daniel and I, so that would be <laughs> oh, uh, July the 31st, yeah. Daniel and I are driving out and doing the initial setup in the apartment, and then Thomas and Cindy are driving out the end of the week. Uh, and spending the weekend and my first Sunday with me. So, oh, yeah. what uh, what, uh, what day is your installation again? Uh, September the twenty third. Okay, so I need to explore that. About our liturgical colleague is up. going to be a part of it. My um, he gets my, good airfare. I should just say, hey, if you find a good airfare. <laughs> well, uh, the church has been kind enough to reimburse the participants in this. Uh, Hector Hermosillo is a yes, so he's flying out. And uh, Randall O'Brien, who is the president at Carson Newman University, will be giving the the message or the charge oh. uh, during that. Well, why so. don't you have me read scripture? I'm so good at that. And then <laughs> we're get a, a free trip. We're running, we're running out of scripture for people to read. That's the problem. So <laughs> as you know, there's scriptures we're not even reading weekly. So that's a good point. Secondary text. That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's happening September the 23rd. And apparently we're robing uh, for oh. that because the church robes Ooh. for special okay. events like that. So hopefully it won't be too I'm, swampy. I'm going to have to buy a, a black PhD robe because I don't know that my bright green one really sets the appropriate tone. Is that right? For a church service. Is it not so. reversible? Mine is not reversible. You didn't get the, no. I did. I got the reversible one, but it's plaid <laughs> on the inside. So oh, it's even no. louder on the inside. No, mine is bright green. So because Baylor went for proprietary, and uh, yeah, right. So there you go. Hmm. Yeah. So that's what's going on in my life, Mike. I going on. Yeah. yeah, well, my life's not too normal either, as you know. My wife has yeah. taken a job on the West Coast, and she left Friday. <laughs> left, left might be strong. That might be strong language. Yeah. Might, might send the wrong connotation. But uh, yeah, there's some uh, interesting, uh, uh, I don't know, changes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're yeah, just working out those dynamics. Yes. So. Yes. A lot of crazy. A lot of new routines. So 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that'll bubble up in the in this year's podcast. My fa- uh, my favorite comment, Cindy. Cindy was asked by the church, you know, how do you feel about this family being split? And her initial response was, "Well, we've really never done anything the easy way in our life." <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Which I thought was yeah uh, uh, true and uh, pretty funny actually. Okay. So. <laughs> wow. All right. So anyway, changes afoot, and uh, let's jump into the scriptures. We got a lot. Got a lot of reading here. Yep. All right. So Second uh, Samuel eleven twenty six through twelve thirteen a. Wow. When the wife of Uriah heard that her husband was dead, she made lamentation for him. When the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. It's a love story. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that David did had, had done displeased the Lord. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city. Stop me if you've heard this one. That's right. What are their names? <laughs> you their don't n- seem to have yeah. a lot of detail What city here. <laughs> or was it? Seems sketchy. The one rich and the other poor. Oh, yeah, I know this story. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had which he had bought. He brought it up and grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. Seems normal. Perfectly yeah. normal. Yeah. <laughs> We've all had those animals. It, this is for this this is where the commentaries are going. In ancient Israel, the uh <laughs> right. No. But you know, that seems weird until you see the way our, our psychology uh colleague treated her golden retriever, in which case this yeah, seems okay. totally normal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was loath to take one of his own flock and her or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the guest who had come to him. This is very archaic language for NRSV. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just cr- stays there. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he has no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, for you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up trouble against you from within your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this very son." For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said, you think? Yeah. (laughs) Duh. Yeah. Uh, So much to say. You know, I still am troubled by the fact that Bathsheba is not named in this entire chapter, this, this entire story. Oh, okay. uh, she was mentioned once at the beginning of chapter 11, and that was the last time her name was used. Um, we get wife of Uriah, the woman, his wife, 
the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is to emphasize David's sin, you yeah. know, to call her the wife of Uriah. And it might very well be, but it would be nice to honor her enough to give her a name yeah. uh, in the story. But I'll just set that aside for a second. It That's can, it can be one, a bring, you know, the thing that could be helpful for us. It brings out the social implica- implications of his of this sin, you know. It's, it keeps driving that home, yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. the wife, the wife, the wife. Um, so Nathan gets the job that no prophet wants. Go tell the king he's wrong. Yeah. Um, which is a really good way to end up dead. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> yeah. On this, see the rest first and second Samuel doesn't have of a good course. track record with messengers, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's that big pile of bodies over there? Nothing. That's the messenger oh, pile. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Nathan does this really clever thing, I think, and poses the hypothetical judicial case to David, this, uh, this parable, most people do call this a parable that he gives yeah. him, um, and uh, frames it in a, a hospitality, uh, actually, oh. issue that uh, I was I was thinking about that this morning as I was yeah. looking at it, that, uh, you know, the vis- the this uh, rich man has a visitor, mm-hmm. uh, he would be obligated to take care of this visitor, and so yeah. it's not just that he's acting selfishly, he's actually neglecting hospitality here, you know, because... I don't want it to cost me anything to take care of this guy. I, okay. I, you know, oh. I want to. Yeah. That's geez, You know, mm-hmm. this is my stuff. And so. That, that comes up a number of times in the, the new Testament, the urgent uh, pressure of hospitality. It's an urgent task. I don't think that we feel that at all. So it's not a, like a go-to for a parable or a metaphor. You but... mean like, like, so when someone shows up at the house and you need to feed them kind of mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. 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 Well, I think I've told the story, but it's really uh, interesting. Well, one of the the uh, non optional social obligations in the Deep South is to provide uh, food when someone dies. And uh, mm-hmm. my father in law uh, died early. In, it was early in the morning. It was about seven thirty, eight o'clock, <laughs> and uh, they rushed him to the hospital. And uh, he had died. And um, I get a phone call from Cindy, probably at eight thirty, and uh, she, I hang up the phone. Cindy says, "You know." Um, Daddy died this morning, and I said, oh, "Okay, well, thanks for letting me know." There are people here know. with casseroles. Let me know what. I, well, this is the funny <laughs> thing that happens. I hang. I li- this literally happened. I hang up the phone. My hand is still on the phone on the wall. This is back when phones hung on the walls. I hang the phone on the wall, and the doorbell rings. Wow! And I go to the doorbell, and this woman hands me a chocolate bunt cake and says, oh, "Just my. heard about Mr. Charlie. Sorry to hear about that." <laughs> wow! <laughs> that was what time? In the... That was eight thirty in the morning. Oh my goodness! And, uh, and so he's got so... a chocolate bunk, bunt cake behind glass with a little <laughs> hammer next to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> in case of death, <laughs> break of glass. Funeral break glass. <laughs> um, but apparently, a lot of these older families there listen to police scanners, and that's how they got the information. But. Uh, <laughs> They they had it before. Right? <laughs> yes, it's a true story. And so I literally hung up the phone. Well, in a and, small town, there's not as and, much entertainment. So well, yeah. And so I had a chocolate bunt cake in my hands, and then wow. leaves, and then I got in trouble <laughs> with little shards of glass in it. <laughs> right, right. Then I got in trouble because being not not being as accustomed to this practice as I probably should have been, I forgot to get the name of the person who oh. brought the cake so oh. that the couldn't be thanked. So I got oh. in trouble with my mother-in-law oh, on that boy. one, but uh, it caught me off guard that as I hang up the phone, the doorbell <sighs> rings and there's a, but that's the, that's the pressure of hospitality. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, someone's yeah. died. What should I do? Right. Um, we'll give them the thing that we made last night for ourselves. 
But yeah, this man doesn't want to give out of his abundance, and so he steals the beloved animal of the guy next door who hasn't inherited it but bought it himself. He actually Mm -hmm. worked for this thing. Um, And uh, it works perfectly. This hypothetical case works absolutely perfectly. David's anger is kindled and, uh, and utters this phrase that I don't think is translated literally anywhere and probably should be because he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, this man is a son of death. Oh, Um, and most commentators believe that that is probably some sort of invective that that's some sort of. You're calling him a son of death is oh, like calling oh, him. Oh, I thought and, it was like a biker gang or something like no, that. <laughs> no. He's uh, identifying him, the perpetrator. <laughs> this is one of those biker gangs. No, he's, um, I, I saw those guys in the hoodies sons around there. Death. Like, yeah. The sons of death. No, I think it's a, you know, an SOB. It's a, this is, this uh-huh, guy is yeah. a, is, is a, because that's the only way to really make, make sense of this guy deserves to die. He's going to have to pay a monetary fine. Yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh-huh. the next, li- yeah. next yeah. line. It's like, really? That's, yeah. that's equal for hey, you. Is hey, it? No. Yeah. <laughs> he deserves to die. Bring four sheep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that the, what pay, death is worth? Pay the clerk. <laughs> exactly. So, um, interesting. The Septuagint has seven. Uh, he has to pay back sevenfold. Oh, okay. Uh, in fact, several of the manuscripts uh, have sevenfold. I think I believe the Masoretic text is the only one that has four, and uh, it's been speculated that it's because in the uh, Torah, when you paid back uh, sheep, you paid back four sheep if a sheep was stolen. Oh. Um, and so that that's bringing this into mm-hmm. into line with the Torah. Um, the, some have speculated the Septuagint's making a pun on Bathsheba's name. Um, that she'll oh, pay back because oh, her name, oh, daughter yeah, of seven. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and which is so always that, fun when you're translating the scriptures. You know, it'd be good here. Yeah. <laughs> a pun. A pun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, how the world are we doing that? Um, well, finally, Nathan feels like he has his moment and he, he takes his shot and says, you know, you are the man. That's man. just two, two words in Hebrew. It's mm-hmm. very direct. Wow. Um, and uh, thus says the Lord. And then it's interesting because in First Samuel 16, I think I highlighted how many times when Samuel was going out to anoint David that you got that pronoun of emphasis that I myself will choose, I myself will anoint, I mm-hmm. myself will select, I myself will make a king. Okay. You get that same thing here. I myself anointed you, I myself rescued you, I myself gave you. Uh, so all this emphasis. And then it switches to second person. And you have done this. You've dis- you yourself have despised. You yourself have struck yeah. down Uriah. Mm-hmm. So really direct speech that you get there. God is is playing off of that. Um, and then the the sword will never leave David. As I said, this is the the where everything goes bad for David. Yeah. Um immediately after this, his daughter is raped by her half-brother. Um Tamar's full brother then starts scheming against his father. I mean, kills his older brother and then her half brother, I should say, and then schemes rebellion against David because David doesn't do anything. And, and uh, your neighbor will take uh, your wives in the sight of all of Israel. That's mm-hmm. what Absalom, his son does at mm-hmm. the end of this. Um, yeah. We're going to do the death of Absalom next week, but um, Absalom seems to has got, have gotten his father's uh, political acumen, Mm-hmm. Um, he was very, very clever. And, uh, one of the things he did was to take all of David's concubines and on the roof of the house where he saw Bathsheba, um, have sex with them publicly to basically, I mean, it, it's not just a statement of virility. It's a statement of everything that used to belong to my father now belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. and so that is God saying, you know, your sin's going to be completely laid bare. Um, 
Was it on the same the same rooftop or yep, the a same rooftop? rooftop. Oh. No, the same rooftop. Okay. They drove he drove David out of Jerusalem and then took all of them hmm. uh, there. So um yeah, we get uh God is not happy. Um yeah. and you get that pun again. Uh-huh. I mentioned it last week, uh, when Joab sent the letter to David about um Uriah dying, uh, and David said, Don't let yeah. this thing be evil in your eyes. That's the um end of verse 27 uh but this thing was evil in the eyes of god and then down at the bottom uh he says into verse 9 why have you despised the word of the lord to do what's evil in his sight so that is a theme at that time in verse Mm -hmm. 9 is translated actually very literally yeah um beginning of the chapter it's not but uh yeah yeah that's uh this is the beginning this this is the time when david used his kingship for uh himself you know what he can get out of it Mm -hmm. as opposed to torah violation of torah Right. And and house and household is a house, continuing mm-hmm, motif, mm-hmm. right? You've, you're seeing it too. Yeah. Yeah, I gave you your master's house. And yeah. then Nathan departed to his house. I always liked that. That was kind of... Yeah. It's like he wasn't part of it. Huh. Wow. <laughs> I think that's right after this. Okay. I, I think reading it says, and then Nathan went to his house. Hmm. Um, <laughs> In case I'm, people didn't pick up on the I'm, house thing. I'm, I'm not a part of this. Yeah. yeah. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yikes. Wow. That's... That's uh, about as good a response as Nathan could expect. <laughs> yes, it really, it went well. Yeah. Because there's a good chance Nathan would die in mm-hmm. this story. Yeah. For confronting the king like this. Yeah, that is, that's scary. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, 1214, I imagine David picks up a pen and starts writing a, <laughs> a, 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 a you know psalm, what? as he was wont to do. You know what, this, this reminds me of a song. So, you know, I got a little song about Where's it. Where's my journal? <laughs> Well, you want to skip to 51 and we'll go ahead and pick it up? That's fine. Yeah, here's David's journal here. <laughs> if you, it, my copy is tears. It's a lot of smudge from tears and stuff sure, here. So, sure. Yeah. So, Instant copy of the original. Yeah, it's photocopy. <laughs> uh, Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me in a willing spirit. Yep. Sustain in me a willing spirit. It is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful psalm and incredibly popular. Um, yeah. In, in song and story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts a, a string of Davidic psalms here in book two that all have a historic, historical uh, context for mm-hmm. them. Um, and, and so this one is, is probably titled, uh, 
but the most detail you ever find in a in a psalm. In fact, I, I wouldn't if I was a DJ playing this one on the radio, I wouldn't want to announce the the superscription. Um because by the time you were done with it, I think the yeah, song you'd be, would be you'd over. be well in. You'd have to start at the end of the last song for sure. It is. It's uh, to the leader, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to need to workshop that title. <laughs> yeah, it's but, a working uh, title. <laughs> <laughs> so it was better than New Document One. Yeah. But, well, yeah, still. I mean, he just he just literally picked up his journal and sure, so, yeah, sure, going to go with this. Um, a lot. Obviously, we have a lot of. Um, uh, language that's used for forgiveness, uh, for um, the sacrifices in uh, the sacrificial, the the washing and the purging and the hyssop is obviously something related to that as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, there's, I was thinking um, verse five, indeed I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. That, that verse has been used so many ways. And uh, that's I can one imagine. Where yeah. I really want people to look up your uh, patches and stumpy video uh, <laughs> oh, because okay. in this one, there are people who are like, see, there's biblical evidence for original sin. Oh, and my oh. argument is go and look up what hyperbola means and then come and follow me. <laughs> because yeah, it's, yeah. It really is. A, it's a sense of scale there more than it's trying to. David's not trying to give a comprehensive theological understanding of the nature of human sin here. Nor does this it, reflect on his mother's character. Let me just no, add that. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It is simply a statement of of completeness, you know, that this is, you know, total uh he feels totally guilty in this. Um, also, the we have to be careful, boy. As, as Americans, I've seen this one used bad against you and you alone have I sinned. Speaking of God, uh-huh. um, the point of that is that in the in the Old Testament mind, the sin against a person is a sin against God. Mm. That those things are combined. It's mm-hmm. not like you isolate it. Well, this is actually a sin against God. No, no. It's not, it's not that it's just a sin against God. It is that because you have sinned against someone else, that is in fact a sin against God. It's the okay. same thing. Okay. Um, that, that, and Jesus sort of bears that out later on as well with the, you know, yeah. the, who's my neighbor kind of idea, I think also. And, and, that, and that, that whole 10, 10 commandments thing. Right. Well, you know, loving God and loving neighbor being the same thing, mm-hmm. right? Now the second commandment's exactly the same. Love your neighbors yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all of that is, uh, I think I think that's that's important here is that you get that combined. Um, yeah, this is also a psalm. Now we don't see it in the lection, lectionary readings, but uh, just after this, uh, David says, "You know, you don't delight in sacrifice, or I would bring one." And uh, then this is this is a psalm where you actually can see uh, the community shaping that happened to the psalms over time, um, because the last two verses of the psalm probably uh, added much later. Um, probably post-exilically, because, uh, in fact, I don't have a problem with the pre-exilic origin of the psalm. Mm. Um, I think it probably it may very well have been. But uh, at the end of the psalm, there are these two verses that say, uh, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and then you'll delight in right sacrifices. Oh, okay. And I have a printout, seems, and I don't have the whole psalm in front of me. Uh, no. That's all right. But that's odd two verses after God doesn't delight mm-hmm. in sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Not to say that he doesn't want sacrifice. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I think what was happening was in the post-exilic, this, this probably was already a very popular psalm, but you were having a hard time motivating people to rebuild the temple, and you didn't yeah. want the song to give people the wrong impression. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so you added a verse. Yeah. Um, 
and I believe I've shared this story, but when I was teaching this, I actually illustrated that point by saying, well, you know, as people sometimes will add verses to song, you know, the, the, when we've been there 10,000 years, wasn't original to amazing grace that was added later on anonymously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The students did not care. The Psalms had been messed with, but amazing grace had been messed with. Oh, that was a problem. And that was a problem for them that sent them round the bend. (laughs) That's not original. (laughs) Like, okay, what? What, wait, 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 what scripture here again? Yeah. Help me out. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. That, uh, it's a living document. It, <laughs> clearly. But, uh, yeah. yeah so, but you see that canonical process, that canonical shaping that occurred over time mm-hmm. uh, with this text. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is, that's funny. I think you've told another story like that. I forget what it was, but it's like... I think I told that story. So, really? Okay. The, it's a, yeah. yeah, the scriptures are fine, but don't mess with that. You know? Don't mess with yeah. the song. Yeah. Well, I had a debacle when I messed with the uh, Footsteps poem. So that yes, was, you did. <laughs> was a wake-up call to me. Yes. Didn't stop that me was... from messing with the Footsteps poem, but <laughs> which I no. continue to do. But but wow, what yeah. uh, interesting pushback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the cannon's a little bit larger than <laughs> right. Than we we well, imagine larger sometimes. in some spots, smaller in others. You yeah, know, it's just, just the functional cannon is. It's, it's, yeah, it's different. Amazing. Yeah. Well, this is this is such a um, in a sense. It I could see how it really resonates with us because it's it it reads as very personal and individualistic which right. we love which is our default mode so uh, we don't even know why we gravitate towards something like this it does that stand out more than than most psalms in terms of the 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 personal individual sense of well you know we have individual laments and and we probably read this individual lament more individually than they would have read it as an individual because even okay even the other individual laments are in a public song. Book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so okay. you don't, they aren't particular, they are individual, but at the same time, they're kind of not individual. Yeah. Um, the other thing that is unusual here. And I think another reason we gravitate toward it is this is a penitential Psalm and we don't get a lot of those. Oh, um, there are not as many Psalms asking forgiveness for sin explicitly yeah. as you would think there were. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so I think because like if you prob- went to a church or something where you would hear that more than in- <laughs> well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. As, as a result of probably being the product of a particular way of thinking about the reformation and uh-huh. the particular way of thinking about salvation, mm-hmm. this is probably going to be a Psalm that's going to bubble up to the surface because it resonates with that particular theological point more than other Psalms in, yeah. in the Psalm book. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. That is interesting. Awesome. Yep. Well, that's a great psalm. Gotta say. I like it. I do too. And I like the songs, the songs that come from it. Yeah. Yeah. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. Ready for Ephesians? 
Yeah, I am ready for Ephesians. If you see me looking up off to the right, that's because I've got the tour, the Tour de France on, <laughs> which is my <laughs> companion most of the, all throughout the week, the uh, okay. the month of July. It, right. it it I have it live, and then I just and then it just repeats all day because it, they're just flying around showing gorgeous views of France. You know, that's true. Occasionally, people in colorful uh, outfits on bikes, but uh, well, if if you. Catch me looking up. I'm looking over the computer into my backyard, which, of course, as you know, is a nature preserve yeah. and has mm-hmm. a, a very nice view out the window. So, okay. uh, so that's that's my distraction. Do you have a wildlife wandering in, or every now and then? Oh. Yeah, there's some cranes and some ducks, and sometimes a, a deer will walk and wander through. But okay, uh, yeah, nice. So. Ephesians 4. Yeah, good segue. <laughs> ah, that's the best I could do. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? I mean, that's self-explanatory. Yeah, well, is it, uh, yeah as, a, <laughs> as a psalmist expert, I'm gonna, we'll have to do a deep dive on this. He, he who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. That's a parenthetical note in this scripture, yeah, in this translation. Yeah, yeah. Let me just put a <laughs> fine point on this from, from the middle of a psalm. <laughs> the, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. All right. Long sentences. That is, yeah. I had a realization, you know, reading through this, this would have served us well at different points with Paul's writings, that there are these translations that are geared toward younger people and uh, um, non-native English speakers. And Mm -hmm. I haven't even been looking at those, but it's interesting to see how those, they break those down because they take these, these long, um, um, like dependent clauses. Yeah. Hypotactic, you know, these, this, this very Greek way of, uh, all these subordinate clauses that, that, that Paul loves and, and, uh, and they, they se- separate them out into different sentences. So, hmm. um, yeah, I went to, I looked at, um, one that I was familiar with from doing some revisions on for, um, um, for Luke. And that was, uh, the new century version and the, uh, international children's Bible. I remember, Stuff I'm so familiar with from Luke, thinking I got to unpack this, and I realized in the process of doing that, so I realized things have been going in one ear and out the other. That just yeah. I don't actually slow down and think about what this means. It's just 
familiar language or it could be a churchy language or religious language. But uh, that's probably something I should do as we as we continue to do these um, readings from the letters that uh, certainly some of this is just just needs to be broken down. Not that I've done that. <laughs> I right. had the realization I should be doing that. But uh, um, yeah, this is this is one of those uh, areas. Uh, it's a transition from from uh, the proclamation, or we might call mm-hmm. it the theological uh, first half, to the exhortation or moral exhortation in the second half. And so we yeah. kind of were rounding out that first half last week, and now he's beginning the uh, the exhortations to the church. And uh, it seems like in these transitions, although I, we're really never very far away from that in Ephesians, there are these long, long theological statements that we all know this, and but he just keeps right. piling these things in. So, I was struck by how much eleven through sixteen it sounds like Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Okay, that whole section of the the offices, yeah. I mean, that list of mm-hmm. those, and then yeah. getting into body of Christ language, yeah, um, mm-hmm. as well. That, I mean, that sounds like almost it comes directly out of Corinthians. Well, and, and they're both they're they're both serving a, a message of unity. You know, yeah. which is even more so um, if you think about Paul's intent there, talking about gifts and diversity of gifts um, for the purpose of unity within uh, the body. So yeah, he's talking about uh, offices within the, within the church. You might talk about them as gifts or offices. Uh, it's one of the reasons that that uh, some people date um, mm-hmm. Paul's letters by. Uh, is he talking about these as charismatic gifts, or is he talking yeah. about it as an office in the church? So well, he does say gifts. Yeah, he does so. say gifts here, and and it's uh and it's about um, the one who's um, uh, the victory, the gifts from the victory that Jesus has uh, mm-hmm. uh, accomplished. Yeah, so gifts or offices, not exhaustive. Uh, you know, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, some podcasters. We don't know. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> could, be, could be a gift. Could be an office. Hmm, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Who knows? It's not exhaustive. Anyhow, uh, it could be giving. Uh, you know, you're really fast at uh, whipping up a chocolate bunt cake and getting it to yeah, a you ber- know those, ber- bereaved family. That's, those people are. That's are, a gift. An unsung hero. Right. So. That's why you know if you don't have that person, the church splits after a while. You know. That's so right. You don't notice it until, until it's not there. Until it's too sure. late. Yeah. Sure. So. But this is about this is a message. If you step back, it is he's going to be hitting the themes um, pretty heavy in this section. But themes that that go throughout uh, Ephesians, and that would be unity. Um, unity is the is is an overarching method uh, me- me- message. Message, and, yeah, and uh, he gets at that through uh, the themes of peace and love. So yeah, peace, love, and unity. You could just you can envision Paul driving yeah. around in his '67 VW van with <laughs> Silas. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah, okay. Silas and Barnabas earlier. Yeah, but you some know, people thought again, it was Barnabas's van. There's a scholars that divide about this, but none of it. <laughs> this is the continuing that theme that we read earlier. Uh, we are stardust. We are golden. And we've got to get back to the garden. You know, no, this, no. these overarching themes he keeps hitting. Right. I was now I don't know if I can remember what I was going to ask. Uh, oh, what I was going to say was something those, about the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Is that I don't it? think so. No, that that message, that age, look what you're doing, that message of unity. I know everybody wants to point to this, that being evidence of this being a later. But 
but that's the main concern in Galatians right. is an yeah. issue of unity. That only became so, a problem in the church later. <laughs> yeah, right, right. This notion of unity is an issue only late. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know. I, the longer we've gone into this and had these conversations, the more I'm, I'm moving into the, uh, you know, oh. I think this is probably connected to Paul closer than people say. I know. I know. It's uh, it, it, the, the kind of the things you are taught, like when you don't have time to, to slow down and really think about it, there's a lot of things we've been taught that we should be thinking about how they date Paul's letters. Yeah. If you read them and keep reading them, it's like, that's really does not make any more sense. The more I read these, the less that yeah. sounds true. And uh, you find yourself in a minority opinion after a while. Um, yeah. But that that's true of a lot of things. When, you, you're, reading, when you're reading what people, um, their perspective on something, and then you actually read the text, you realize, right. I don't think these people have read the text. <laughs> I think they're just <laughs> yeah. listening to what other people have said about that. Yeah. It is yeah. a surprisingly common phenomenon. Yeah. And it not, well, not surprising, if you teach, if you teach seminary, that is one of the hardest things to turn your loose uh, your students loose to do. They don't feel mm-hmm. that they have permission to read the text and formulate some preliminary sort of interpretations mm-hmm. and questions. And uh, and I I do uh, teaching from in seminary from time to time and. And that's something I really need to hit hard. I said, I'm giving you permission. I wish I had a golden ticket I could hand them. I go, yeah. this, is, this allows you to read the text and, and not to defer to so-called experts who, if you read them very closely, it's like, I'm not sure they're actually looking at the passage, you know? You know, and people sin on both sides of that. They yeah. sin on the side of only reading the academics and never actually looking at the text. And they mm-hmm. sing on the side yeah. of only reading sort yeah. of popular surface oh, yeah. cultural readings without right. actually getting into mm-hmm. the text either. Yeah. And both yeah. are ignorant of the text yeah. very often. Yeah. Yeah. To read the text and then have a dialogue with other people who've read the text is yeah. that's yeah. where the, that's where the magic happens, you know, yeah. that's a, it's a, uh, an incredible experience that uh, um, you don't, you never know what's going to happen, and you'll you you are actually bringing something to the conversation when you've read mm-hmm. the text. So, yeah, so yeah, that's a lot of theories about Paul that bump up against Paul <laughs> when you yeah. read him. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm not doctrinaire. I could I don't know what it was it was a van or even a '60s van or whose van it was. <laughs> yeah, so, right? We just know they're sure. Sure. They wore medallions and macrame and sure. <laughs> talked about peace and unity and love. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not biting. I'm not. No. I'm, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to just. I'm just going to power through this one. No, you better bite because that's all I got. You know. <laughs> I, I, I literally is like, okay, I'm going to read these books. Then I then I found myself looking up the lyrics to the Age of Aquarius. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> In my experience with you, if I don't feed the fire, eventually it goes out. But if I if I give you anything, then that's, well, that's... no, that doesn't go out. These, those are those novelty uh, birthday cake candles. <laughs> you're, you're... They don't go out. They're like that's a, probably right. Actually, a little sparkler. That's probably right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just picture that as we <laughs> sure <laughs> as we that's the background. That's the cultural background yeah. of this. Sure. A lot of a lot of language about that, and of course, uh, he's drawn upon different. 
means of emphasizing that. Probably some liturgical language here. One, one body, one spirit. You, you add these up. Crunch. Let's crunch the numbers. How many ones are there here? Yeah, yeah. There's one body, one spirit, called in the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So that is a that was helpful for me. Um, kind of working through Ephesians piecemeal. That's nice to have those. Uh, what is this about again? It's like, oh yeah, unity. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. as much as I frame this as a very positive message that everything's awesome in the church, um, you probably are not hitting the, that theme of unity unless you need to. Unless you know, you unless there's to. problems right. of disunity, right? Which are perennial issues for all kinds of of reasons. So. And uh, as we have you brought up, Paul mentions um, that unity and diversity are not uh, mutually exclusive um, as he gets into the, the gifting of the church. In fact, uh, that, that is um, the goal of the diversity is to bring about unity. And, mm-hmm. and maybe another theme, certainly in the second half of Ephesians, would be to uh, grow up. <laughs> Don't be yeah. babies, you know? <laughs> That's think, good advice. Almost like babies better than children, you know, in 14. Yeah. We must no longer be babies because babies has like a, a little bit of pejorative there because yeah. you're, you're not, you know, right. a, a baby right. anymore. And uh, so you probably shouldn't think about babies being tossed to and fro because that's not good. No. So science has, <laughs> well, told, has told us. <laughs> unless you're in Psalms, but yeah, <laughs> Psalm yeah. 137 certain, has no problem. Certain or, Psalms, yeah. Well, that 13. wasn't good for the baby either. Um but it is about um, being the unity. The unity is not, you know, uni, unanimity or uh, walking lockstep, but maturity. You know, your mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the the unity comes from maturity, and I like maturity language better than sanctification language because mat- growing up and maturity is something we can, I think, we can resonate more mm-hmm. closely with. And sanctification is like sanctification is like really focusing, at least in my mind, what it evokes, because it doesn't have a lot of cultural, you know, anchors. It's like, right. oh, you messed up again. Oh, you messed up. Oh, there's another blemish on your, you know, perfect right. score. But whereas maturity is more about character and, and leaving off childish ways and mm-hmm. and uh, responsibilities, because hopefully nearly everyone's had some experience of of being becoming more mature and not being like what they used to be like. Um mm-hmm. Sanctification is such an abstract term, yeah, uh, yeah. which which doesn't uh, it's not a it's not a real live metaphor, but certainly yeah. growing up, you know, don't be a baby. That's helpful, you know, uh, that's something I think we can carry through the rest of this letter and probably the latter portions of all of Paul's letters that he just wants people to grow up and become mature, you know. And uh, that's his goal as a as an apostle church planner is to uh, mature, raise up and mature leadership so that he can move on. You know. Do you think that uh, verse fourteen, we must no longer be children? Do you think that they would have heard that pejoratively? Oh, probably because because yeah. children more so than in our society because right. childrens are nobodies. Childrens are right. Children are they have no legal status. Right. They're, they're zeros. You know, the children yeah. is the go to example of a nobody by Jesus, you know, like right. you have to become like children to enter the kingdom of God. That, that, that raises a whole, another um, um, list. That's not a precious moment figuring. No, that's... no, that's, that's usually <laughs> yeah. Jesus dealing with people um, 
entering into the kingdom of God or thinking about the kingdom of God or life together in terms of their status, which is like, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of problems with that, um, which is probably behind some of the disunity issues in, a, in that kind of world. Mm-hmm. Um, in Paul's churches, you have people mixing who would never mix because of, right. because of their status, you know? Um, well, see. that's one of the things that this church that I'm about to take the pastor of is very proud of the fact that there are people in that church that would never mix apart from the fact that they are in this church together. Yeah. Um, yeah. For they come from a variety of political perspectives there mm-hmm. in D.C. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some were in the Bush White House, some were in the Clinton White House, and some, okay. you know, are Bernie Sanders supporters, and some are Donald Trump supporters, and some are Bush supporters who don't like Donald Trump, and right. and they all want to do church together. Mm-hmm. And it's really actually kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck with that. No. Thanks. <laughs> No, but that's, I'm going to spend a lot of time in Ephesians four. <laughs> that, that's probably in our in our world, um, where the fault lines are in society are probably political. Yeah, those are the divisive things. Uh, less so in the ancient world, but certainly people knew they were in one group or uh, or not in a group by status. You mean people didn't have bumper stickers on their chariots. Don't blame me. Yeah. I voted for Tiberius. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I voted for the email lady. You know, Tiberius. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Marcius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were we were talking about this uh, seminary class, this class for Fuller I'm teaching this summer, and uh, I think we were talking about the um, the healing is it's in Mark five, I think, the healing of the woman with the issue of blood, mm-hmm. and the, how different she is in terms of status from the uh, synagogue leader who's mm-hmm. and who's healing the that's in the you know sandwiched in, mm-hmm. and trying to raise the issue of status and uh, in a in a non-status society and I knew that you know there's usually when you're teaching online there's people from around the world right and uh, I said please chime in uh people who are from a status uh honor honor shame society and status culture mm-hmm. uh and the people from those countries didn't chime in, but missionaries to those countries did and so there's one um student I have who's a missionary in in Laos and he's talking about one of the uh, servants, I believe it was, in his, in the in his household, because everyone has servants there, and you need to hire them because they need to be employed. Um, mm-hmm. He was very proficient at learning English, and this missionary was offering classes in English, and uh, he he invited him to that and he encouraged him, and he asked who will be there, and some of the village elders were there, and some of the leaders from the the small town. I guess it wasn't a village. And the uh, the server became sad because he says I can't I can't go because they're there and they wouldn't come because I'm there, so mm. it's like wow. Um, and you know it's a it's a those are the fault lines, and we might do that with uh, political fault yeah, lines. You know, we might in our day. Yeah. So yeah, I forget why we were talking about that unity. Probably yeah, we were talking about unity. Children, yeah, yeah children as uh, as That's people who are who are nobodies in that society. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, he doesn't paint children very positively, right? I mean, tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, yeah. people's trickery. Yeah. You can fool a kid all the time. They fall for anything. Don't be like them. Yeah. yeah. Stupid kids. It's a, it's a, it's a, a ready and at-hand metaphor. Whether, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they love their children as much as we do, uh, if not more, but that's culturally a given that you could point to. Yeah. Uh, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up, grow up, you know, in every way, mm-hmm. uh, and not not miss that. That we're talking about maturity language there. In every way, into Him who is the head, into Christ. Uh, 
I think, let's see, building itself up in love. Paul's always talking about in love. And um, mm-hmm. I think I did actually refer to the uh, New Century Version or the International Children's Bible. It says, grow strong with love. With love is kind of, in love is not actually the preposition we use uh, for the type of love he's talking about, you know? You know, mm. Jesus loves you. He's not in love with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I got in, it. In love is something else. Okay. But it with is. love is something like, oh, uh we understand that in a, with yeah. this this is such a loving community you know we understand that so yeah if we could keep our eye on uh the themes of unity and maturity in the second half of Ephesians i think that'll serve us well and if we can en- envision paul wearing a nehru with a medallion that would also help <laughs> but that might just be me i don't think that's going to help yeah. but i appreciate maybe the first the part exercise. the first ex- the first yeah. part the first i should have stopped that that part <laughs> Okay, well, you want to keep going in John 6? Yeah, let's do uh, the first installment of 27. Um, yeah. That's, so, or, the, or the second. The, this is the second or third installment. The year of John 6. Uh, John 6, 24 to 35. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When the Boy, that Jesus is tricky. He just slipped away. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And they said, well, we were hungry. No, yeah. uh, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the son of man will give you for it is on him that God, the father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Yeah. Why I thought we just had one more week here is that when you read um, how the rest of this discourse breaks down, it is this this um, statement about, uh, let's see, what did they say? 631. Jesus' response to 631, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. Well, Jesus corrects uh, three things. It wasn't Moses who gave you the bread. Mm-hmm. It was God who gave you the bread. Mm-hmm. And the manna is not the true bread from heaven, but Jesus is the true bread mm-hmm. from heaven. And then he gets more extensively into eating and drinking, what it, what it means to, uh, to, to be um, sustained by that bread. Well, the first two are covered in this one. Uh, the fact that it's God yeah. and that Jesus, uh, the, the, uh, the, I'm, I need to go back and look, but this might be the first I am statement in the gospel. I am the bread mm-hmm. of life. Uh, whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Um, then the rest is all about what it means to, to, uh, to eat, uh, the bread of heaven. Um, -hmm. evidently we're going to spend a little bit more time on that. Actually, I just (laughs) saw, and now, now it sort of makes sense. Yesterday, Unvirtuous Abby tweeted out a gif of the John Mulaney special, uh, when he was mocking, um, 
singing in church and he said, someone said for the next six weeks in the lectionary and it was John Mulaney singing the bread of bread is bread. <laughs> um, <laughs> bread, bread, bread uh, is what the next uh, six weeks are on. Oh, okay. So, That's because, you know, from his, from John, John's perspective is that, uh, uh, Catholics don't sing in church, so we're right. we're rarely, you know, not aware. You know, I was raised Catholic, right. and we did not get to sing uh, in church except on Christmas. So, right, yeah, the bread, of, yeah, the bread of bread is bread is yeah, his so, point, and that's our next six weeks here in the lectionary. Yeah, the bread, yeah, yeah, <laughs> bread, right. You're bread. Not, you're not, and that's the part. I mean, they have trouble with all the parts, but that's the part where they really have trouble. And Jesus mm-hmm. doesn't help. Jesus does not help. <laughs> Believe me, it's uh, if I had a dollar for every time I've had to say that, Jesus just yeah, doesn't help, does not help with this New Testament <laughs> message, really doesn't. Oh. Yeah. oh, okay, that's different. No, no, he doesn't. I mean, he's like, let me let me use a uh, a worse explanation, you know, right. <laughs> let me muddy more the water some to more. Understand. Yeah. yeah, he's gonna be, let me use even more provocative language because, as we know, at the end, everybody leaves him, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like. Well, maybe your illustration didn't help Jesus. But. Well, this really does. I mean, if you if you're taking this seriously, this really does make the woman at the well seem brilliant. Yeah, because he uses almost exactly the same language with mm-hmm. them that he used with her. Right, and she got it. She got it, and they sound like her in thirty four. Sir, give us this bread always. Right, but they don't get it. And there is this progression. As you as you go through John, um, for the reader, there's this progression. Like you, you're really on the inside with Jesus in the discourse with Nicodemus. You're really on the inside with Jesus when in this encounter with the woman on the well, who's also getting it, and you're tracking mm-hmm. with her, and she she's transformed. But as you go into this, it, you you might feel a little smug. But by the end of this, you're like, what? <laughs> well, am I? Mm-hmm. On, I don't get it. I thought I was an insider, and now. Mm-hmm. You know, John doesn't use that language of insider and outsider like like Mark does or those images. But this is a place where he's almost like Mark. It's just like his ex- Jesus explanations actually don't help. They uh, they more obscure this uh, the secretive nature of this this revelation. Um, but this is a this is a challenging text, and people come at it in. It's very interesting to see the the range of ways that scholars approach it with their different uh, their different kind of default modes, whether they're deconstructionists or, or, uh, conventional or somewhere in between. Um, the most, most people are challenged, whatever your, whatever your starting point is, most people are challenged by this text. And many people put this text as key to John's structure, um, in different ways. Some of them are quite elaborate. Like this is the middle of a huge chiasm, uh, of John, or simply, uh, it's the middle sign that he does. So there's mm-hmm. a sign of, uh, uh, let's see, what are the signs? Oh, so in, in one, one schema, it would be changing the water to the wine is paired right. with Jesus' death. You know, they've seen the, the blood and the water flow out of Jesus from the cross. And, okay. and then there's the raising up of the Roman official's son and the raising up of Lazarus. Okay. Uh, and then there's two Sabbath healings, the man at the pool, uh, in five, and then the man born blind at the pool in nine. And between those, the two, the signs, if you're, if you're keeping track, it's this one, this very elaborate. And, and this is a much longer discourse about the sign. So usually there's a teaching before or after the sign that explains the nature of the sign. This is definitely the most elaborate one and the, mm-hmm. and the most mm-hmm. challenging, and both to the reader and the characters in the story who, uh, by the end, depart. 
So there is a lot. There is a lot in a um, for a liturgical oriented church to unpack here. As I've said, for um, worship and uh, Eucharist or Lord's Supper or communion, I think it's a much richer text than um, Corinthians eleven. Mm-hmm. However, everyone might leave your church by the end, so <laughs> be warned. <laughs> There's that. No, I, I've you know you've said that several times, and actually you've said that before when uh, when you've been having conversations about the nature of Eucharist with people. Um, that John six is, and, and so I've, I've tried, I'm, I'm wanting to, to think about that. I really am. I'm wanting to think more intentionally about, you know, we don't normally think of the words of installation coming from John six, but, uh, but that's, it's an interesting question. Yeah. And since he doesn't have the words of installation or what we, you know, that's the technical language for, right. Right. This is my body. This is, you know, this, this cup and do these things in remembrance. Uh, John doesn't have that, so he has right. foot washing, but uh, he does have a a profound theology of uh, the bread and the and the wine uh, in, in this chapter. Um, it's profound and challenging. So maybe that's that's an interesting element to think about. You know, something there because it is a it is a uh, is a call to discipleship. What does it mean? It really narrows down. What does it mean to uh, to be a follower? Mm-hmm. And it challenges his most his closest followers who are scratching their heads by the end. But don't we don't have anywhere else to go? You know, don't have any. Where are we going to go? go? You know, yeah. Where else are we going to go to church? People might say <laughs> that by the end <laughs> of a series of sermons on this text. Wow. Yeah. I got to wonder whether people actually, you know, in the lectionary, whether they're actually reading from this text in a series. You know, like this might be too much for a congregation. It's like. Yeah, let's talk about the psalm, or let's take a yeah. let's, let's dip into Second Samuel. Some of the David and Bathsheba a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Just a little bit lighter. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that unifies all of these readings uh, today. You know? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. just be... Yeah. Yeah. A good schedule. We're going to work so. our way. Yeah, just, just working your way through Ephesians and just working your way through John. Probably you're going to have to force something to make it... Wow. thematically coherent although occasionally it's surprising you know well thanks for listening this week hope that you have had a good week uh, hope you will follow us on Twitter like us on Facebook uh, shoot us an email if you're listening on iTunes make sure and leave a review um, tell your friends that uh, we're out there um, has anybody contacted the text this week have you checked on the text this week to see if it ever got fixed I haven't when we, I just, when we mobilized our followers I just to figured email them and say it. hey this is cool. I think when that happens, we'll probably see an uptick of about a million listeners or something like oh, that. Yeah. We're, well, we're, then I can say safely we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not so. there. I don't think so. so. <laughs> but uh, I will continue to try to move, and you will continue to try to adapt. And actually, if all goes well, next week when we do this podcast, I should be looking out a different window. Okay. So we will see how that goes. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, in a different time zone. Yeah, in a so, different time zone. Yeah, so if so. there's a lag next week, you'll understand. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Well, have a great week. Have a great week. Blessings. Blessings. Blessings.